Well, Hebrews chapter 10 in your Bibles this morning, if you have them. We are in the fourth part of a series that we're calling Further Your Faith. And we've been asking that question of how does faith grow? That how does your faith grow? When you look around the church, when you look around this world, when you look at other Christians, what are some things that we see in those people that have put them in the position that they're in? How has their faith grown to the levels in which we see them now? In part one, we, for those of you who have missed or maybe you're a guest this morning, I want to just fill you in on where we've been so far so you know what's going on and then it'll make sense with what we're going to talk about this morning. But in part one, we looked at Matthew chapter seven and we, we looked where Jesus is, is speaking in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. He's speaking to the disciples and those who were listening on the side of the mountain and he, and he challenges them in Matthew seven to hear his words and then do them. That we need to be hearers of his word and, and we need to be doers. But we can't just be hearers alone. We're deceiving ourselves and we just listen and we just take in and then we don't do. So we need to hear his word and we need to apply. We need to do his word. That if we want our faith to grow, we have to do something with what we know. And then in part two, we talked about if we want our faith to grow, we, we have to commit to spiritual habits. This is that process of studying the Bible, having a, a prayer life, um, practicing things like silence and solitude, giving and worshiping. That those things are seen in the life of someone who is growing deeper in their faith. That we... We, we, are, we are growing when we're doing those things. And then last week we talked about our faith growing when we serve. That we are never more like Jesus than, than when we serve. And there is no higher calling in this life than a calling to service. And Jesus clearly set the example for us by coming and, and serving us and giving his life as a ransom for us, as Mark 10 clearly communicates to us. But we were challenged, and we see this challenge throughout the New Testament, that, that, we, that when we serve, some things happen. That there are some blessings when we serve. That we develop our spiritual gifts when we serve. We, we see God do work when we serve. We experience joy. The church is united. Our faith grows, it increases, and our soul is filled when we serve. And we make all kinds of excuses for not serving. That's nothing new. Not enough time. Uh, too many other commitments, not sure where to serve, not sure how to serve. Maybe the ministry that, that I used to serve in is, is no longer there, so, so what else is there that I can do and get involved in? Or maybe you're worried that you'll get asked to do too much. All of those things could fall under the excuse category. So we have to, we have to evaluate and we have to think about where we can get involved and how we can serve. And so I challenged everyone to just be willing to be sacrificial, and to give yourself away. Serving matters because God says it does, and so I asked, <laughs> are you serving or are you just making excuses for why you're not serving? And this week, we're gonna look at how, the next part is we're gonna, we're gonna talk about relationships and how relationships can grow our faith. In Hebrews chapter 10 is a chapter in our New Testament that is full of, of wonder and truth about how Jesus truly sacrificed 
for people. And because of that sacrifice, there are, there are some things that we get to have and some things that we get to do. And that's where we pick up in this story today, here in Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now hold your place there. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But relationships are tricky things. And you know this, we know that, that relationships are tricky. They can be a challenge. We, we all have them, and, 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 and some of them we, we love, some of them we resent, and some of them we wish we could simply undo and not have at all. Some of us wish we had better relationships, and some of us wish we could just never have to have a relationship ever again with anyone. I see you introverts. I get you. I know. But those of you who are like me, and, and you, you might really love people, but you're, but you're a person who, who doesn't necessarily crave connection and social time all the time. Maybe that's you. I enjoy being with people, but then I eventually need some me time. I need some time alone with myself and my family. And, and maybe this morning, peopling drains you instead of energizes you. And I hear that. Now, I'm not as extreme as, as some of you are. Maybe you would describe yourself something like this this morning, if it'll go. Something like, maybe it won't go. There we go. The neighbor said, hi again. I'm going to just move. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't admit it if you said that. Or maybe it's this one. When the group plans are canceled and you never wanted to go. Look at that smirk. That's me right there. Or this one. Did you call first? For those of us who remember the days of door knocking, going door to door and doing door to door evangelism and inviting people to church, <laughs> that would have been helpful. And then this one here, maybe if it goes. I'm staying in bed, Snoopy. It's too peopley out there. I don't know if those describe you, but if you feel that strongly about staying away from people, there might be some work you need to do. Maybe you should get some counseling. But most of us would find ourselves somewhere, possibly in the middle of those descriptions. In fact, you truly love being with people, but you just haven't made time in your schedule to make relationships a priority. You used to have some really great friendships, but you stopped investing in those relationships long ago because maybe, maybe your family and, and, and the dynamic of your family or maybe it's your, your spouse or your job or simply your calendar or maybe you'd, you'd love to be in one of our small groups here at church but you just can't find the time to fit it in. And to be honest, you're not convinced that, that it's worth it to, to make it happen anyways. 
Or maybe you'd love to be on a, a serving team with people you love here at church, but the people you used to be close with have moved on without you. And maybe your schedule is just in disagreement with some of these things. But some of you can look around the room right now at people that you used to be very close with that you're no longer close with, and there's so many reasons why that's the case. You've drifted apart, and you don't know that you want to get into all of that again. And then the most painful reason we don't invest in relationships is simply that word hurt. Some of you have invested deeply into relationships and family and friends, maybe even other believers, and then humanity just simply happened. And people get hurt. And because we're all humans and we have a sin nature, we have to fight every day that someone has hurt us. And maybe it wasn't all them. Maybe it was you. Maybe you've caused some of this trauma. Maybe you've caused some of these issues. Maybe someone in your family has abused you. Maybe a friend betrayed you. Maybe a pastor or a leader has let you down. Or maybe they took, van- took advantage of your vulnerability. And those are real hurts. Those are real pains. And, and I believe God sees every single one of those things. And God can bring healing to those areas. That he is there with you. And we should never think for a minute that those hurts don't grieve the heart of God. Now you may be sitting here and you could give every scientific stat on loneliness and depression and even suicide and how genuine, authentic relationships help everyone in those scenarios. But you won't be convinced by those because it's not worth the risk to you. So I'm standing here today to use what God says about relationships to inspire you to give give them another chance, to keep building new relationships, to keep building on the relationships that you already have. And it's worth it because we can trust what God says about relationships, and most importantly, because healthy relationships can cause our faith to grow. As we look at these these five different areas that God uses to grow our faith, relationships are a part of it. Intentional relationships. Sometimes we can hear and we can see God through others, through these intentional relationships. And there, there are three areas that we're going to focus today, and I believe these are the most important pieces to our relational growth. Things like discipleship, which we've talked about We're going to talk about community inside of the context of a small group, and then we're going to talk about just simply having Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused relationships. And all of these work together in the life of a believer, and they work here in our church. So the first one's discipleship. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus, and and discipleship is is that personal attention from, and guidance from one spiritual generation to the next. Disciple making is super important. It's investing oneself in the spiritual growth and maturity of a few, of which training those disciples to be disciples who make other disciples is so vital. Now, we studied this back in June, if you were here during our Kingdom Impact series, but I want to do a quick reminder that when we, that we imitate Christ by equipping others to be disciples, and that's what the Apostle Paul did in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust of faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Discipling 
others is absolutely vital to our growth. And this can be done a few different ways. This can be done, uh, you know, just those one-on-one relational moments in the, the life of a Christian. But we believe, and based on what we see throughout the New Testament and the early church, specifically the church in Acts, well, that, that intentional discipleship is best done, not necessarily in this moment right here on a Sunday, but in the context of, of, of groups or what we would call in-home adult small groups, that we, we are better when we are connected. Now, that's certainly not the only way, so please hear that this morning. It's not the only way for discipleship to happen, but we have seen it be extremely fruitful here in our church. Andy Stanley coined the phrase that circles are betters, better than rows. The circles are better than rows, and I completely agree with that, that life is simply better when we are connected. It's not a waste of time. It's worth every single minute. Now, we, we talk about in-home small groups a lot here at our church, and so if you're a guest or you're new to our church and you don't know what that is, I want to take a few minutes and, and just lay out what this looks like here in the context of West Hill. But, but there is a purpose behind what we call in-home adult small groups. Our goal in our groups is to help people grow in discipleship and then connect relationally together. And the sole purpose of groups is simple. It's to develop disciples, that a disciple is a fully devoted follower of Christ. And and we believe this devotion is best cultivated through spiritual growth that is done together. That every Christian, and, and I think we see this in the New Testament, that every Christian needs authentic relationships. We don't need those surface level, hi, how are you? Hope you're doing well, Sunday morning type of relationships, but we need biblical community and biblical accountability because we truly are better when we live life connected and when we live life together. We were made for community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit live together in community. They work together. So no matter what stage of life you're in, true discipleship has has always seemed to happen better in a smaller group of believers. If you've ever been a part of something like this, you know firsthand that the relationships that develop in these groups, they truly do make a difference and they truly can make an impact on your faith. I've said this thousands of times, but our mission here at West Hill is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And a healthy, biblical small group complements that vision. It complements that vision by having an intentional focus on making disciples through spiritual growth, biblical community, and then outreach. And that's how our small groups are designed. They're basic. They're to be the basic basic expression of what we see in the New Testament that that supports the mission of Christ and and it furthers the vision of what what God has has called the church to be and do. Now, I want to say this because this is important. Small groups were never designed and their intention is not to replace the large group gathering, what we do here on Sunday mornings. What we do here is extremely important, but our groups build upon it by allowing us to take what we're learning together and dive deeper and to ask questions and to keep one another accountable. 
So if you're in one of our adult small groups, you know what this looks like because you hear a message on Sunday morning about spiritual habits, and then when you meet later in that week, you're then challenged to do something with what you've just heard. Have you made spiritual habits a priority in your life? Have you, have you been hearing the word of God proclaimed and then are you doing something with it? That's what happens in our groups. It's not just another Bible study. It's not just more information. It's us as the body working together in community and in unity. That's the purpose. That has been the purpose since they started back in 2019. They're supposed to work together, not against each other. Both gatherings are important and they have a very biblical role. Our small groups are filled with people who are effectively mobilized should any need arise in our church. I just shared this this morning in our starting point class. But in a church our size, it's really, really difficult for, for one pastor, let alone the, the amount of pastors that we have to meet every need that comes up in a, a church of our size. And our small groups have created a place where a lot of needs get met that we never even know about. Because that's what we see happening in the body of Christ in the New Testament church. It's happened more times than I can even, even count. Everything from staffing events like last year's fall family fun night, which you'll hear about more later, to, to uh, filling needs when it comes to funeral meals or funerals that we have at our church, care ministry during the shutdown last year, lunches for our students when they go to camp, uh, even missions and evangelism and, and even care for, for one another is and has been done best through the context of our groups. The book of Acts gives us this clear example of what it looked like. The descriptions of church life, I think, are so inspiring in the New Testament and so unlike anything that so many of us have experienced in our Americanized church world. And, and, and we're at fault for a lot of that, but there's so many things that we can do, and that is what the expression of groups is supposed to do in our church. We read this earlier, but in Acts chapter 2, we see this laid out in verses 42 through 47. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I really believe this text. When I read Acts chapter 2, I can't stop reading the book of Acts, and I encourage you to do that. It is, it is, it is a mind-blowing set of verses. It is a mind-blowing storyline. When you look at what the church encountered and what they experienced and how they, they reacted to the things of this world, but they did it together in a devoted spirit and attitude. You see, we are better when we are connected. And if we want our faith to grow, we have to live connected. If you want your faith to grow this morning, you must be connected to other believers. You see, our small groups are not just a gathering to be social or to have fun. We don't just gather to learn more about God or to meet new friends. And, and while none of those things are bad, 
adding something into our church's calendar or our schedule or into the lives of, of our people is, is not really worth anyone's time, even if it's the latest trend in the church world. Now, this has been labeled as a trendy thing in the church world, but I tend to argue with that because it was at the beginning of the birth of the church. We won't waste our time and efforts on anything less than a biblically-based ministry that follows the Bible's plan for developing disciples. But don't misunderstand, our groups do enjoy being together. Our groups do have fun learning and growing deeper. They, they enjoy studying the word together. They enjoy fellowship. They enjoy faith-centered prayer together. And they also enjoy missional community together doing the work of the ministry. Now, if you're not currently involved here in our in-home adult small groups, you may have no idea how they function or, or what to do, and, and, and that's okay, because we would love to help you answer those questions. But our groups, they, they meet weekly in someone's home, a group leader here in our church, and they, they host every single week a specific day of the week of their choosing, and right now, we have groups that meet every night from Sunday night all the way through Thursday night. They're made up of 8 to 15 adults, if you didn't know that. And they meet two months on and one month off. So September is an off month. So our groups don't meet in September, but they'll meet in October and November, and then they're off again in December. This is for a couple of different reasons. One, to give our small group leaders some time to, to breathe and to do something else. And for my wife, who leads groups, to have time to develop new groups and place people. And so this happens throughout the calendar year. And so if you ever wanted to know more, please, please, you can go online and you can sign up. And we would love to get you connected. So we are better when we live life connected. And then we are better when our relationships are centered on Jesus. And we know this to be true, that, that we are called to imitate and reflect Christ, that we, we follow Jesus, we follow his example. He thought relationships were extremely important. He invested deeply in people who were in his circle and those who were outside of his circle, but they were all focused on the mission of God. He had a focused mission. And so we, as Christians, we are centered, we should center our relationships on Jesus. We all know what Proverbs 27 says, that iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. When it comes to our relationships with each other, we, we, we have to center them on Jesus. And, and, and that, that sounds super cliche, like that's what pastors are supposed to say, but it's so true. That when we have conversations with, with those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, sure, it's wonderful to talk about the weather and our favorite sports team and what's going on in our life, but it's really important that we, we have some type of Jesus-centered moment in our relationships. How are you doing in your spiritual habits? These are things that are super vital for us. That when, when someone who I have a relationship with, that relationship is centered on Jesus, I have several of those, they frequently ask me things like, Zach, how's your heart? How are your spiritual habits? How are you as a husband and as a father? And are you making wise decisions with, with your money? Like these Jesus-focused, Jesus-centered type things. Those are relationships that are extremely vital. So do your relationships include those things? Because a Jesus-centered relationship will include things that Jesus cares about and wants to see in your life. But we have to be really careful when it comes to relationships. Because not all relationships are created equal. 
Some relationships will promote godly living while others may encourage the opposite. And the Bible makes it clear that some relationships will will actually enhance and encourage our spiritual growth while others can lead us in a direction that doesn't, doesn't work out for our betterment. Proverbs reminds us that when we walk with the wise, we become wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, to not be misled because bad company will corrupt good character. So we have to choose our relationships wisely. We're surrounded by wisdom and foolishness in every direction. So we need to intentionally create relationships to to surround ourselves with other believers who are living that John 3 where Jesus is increasing and we're decreasing kind of mindset. They're so vital, they're so important. You see, if we want our faith to grow, we have to live connected. So I want to go back to Hebrews 10 for just a minute. I want to look at verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we may stir one another up or spur one another. One translation says, on toward love and good deeds. You see, these relationships, whether they happen in the context of a small group or whether they're just relationships that you have, they exist for a reason. And there are some characteristics that must be present in those relationships. These these relationships, they need to encourage one another or stir one another up to love and good deeds, to action. The relationships that we have, they should be calling us to do something with our faith. If your relationships are not centered on Jesus and his mission, then, then you've got, we've got some work to do. We should be in relationship with one another. We should be working together. We should be loving each other. And we should be doing God's work. We cannot ignore this in the church. We can if we, if we want to, but it doesn't help. So you can ignore it or you can jump in and see what God can do through the people that live life around you and you can be connected and you can see God do a great work. And so right now I want to ask you that question of are you living connected to other believers? Are you living connected to other believers? And I mean living in a way that, that the, the, the real things that matter are being discussed. Because relationships can breed all kinds of unhealthy things. Gossip and slander and things that, that, that can't be fixed by just having conversations. But when we have conversations about the things that matter for the kingdom, do you have relationships that are like that? Are you connected to other believers? And if you're not, will you commit to get connected? Because if we want our faith to grow, we have to live connected. And like I have several times, I will encourage you to read the book of Acts and see how connected they were. To read the Gospels and see how Jesus lived in this this tight, unified community with his disciples. Nothing's changed. The same things are still needed today. So, do you want your faith to grow? You gotta hear and do his word. You have to develop spiritual habits 
You have to get involved. You have to use your gifts. You have to serve a kingdom-focused mission, and you have to live connected. And so are you living connected today? I hope you are. I really hope you are. One of the things that we can do together is, is pray together. And this morning, I think, as we think about all of the the unrest that's going on in our world around us, specifically in Afghanistan, I think it's important that we spend some time together praying for those Christians in Afghanistan. You know that there's that, that moment, we love to quote it, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Those people are living that out. They may lose their lives to gather as the body of Christ, and they're gonna do it anyway. So I think we need to be praying for those who are following Christ in that area. We need to be praying for those who, who are causing all of the unrest. So much is going on in our world and in our communities. And I think we should pray. And so let's pray for those right now. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for who you are. God, we're so thankful that your spirit lives inside of us. And not just us, but every Christian around this world. God, we are better when we are connected. And those Christians in Afghanistan and throughout our world, the persecuted church, when, when they encounter difficult seasons like persecution, they live in community because they're connected. And, 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 and you do great work when your church is persecuted. So God, I pray that those believers would, would remember what they have as they are connected to one another. And when these attacks come, when these challenges come to them, they truly understand that they are better together. They pray together, they stand together, they worship together, and they worship you. And so God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and, and the other areas of our world where the church of Christ is being persecuted. And God, we pray that we as the connected body here in Ohio, would be unified in prayer for them. God, that we would think of them often. When we think of all the other unrest and all of the chaos that's going on in that area of our world, Lord, we pray that your spirit would move and that people would rise up. They would fight against injustice and they would fight for what is right. God, I pray that we as the church here in America would be thankful for what we have and that we would not take for granted this process of community that we have. This beautiful thing of living life connected together. And that we wouldn't live life alone, that we would not walk this journey alone, but that we would allow you to grow us through Jesus-centered relationships. God, we need you more now than we, than we realize. So God, do a work through us, change us, and mold us into the image of your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray, amen.